you, Jesus. We bless you here tonight. We lift you up. We lift you up over every person, every marriage, every family. Jesus, we magnify you here tonight. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so able. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that everything that heaven intends to accomplish in this place tonight shall be accomplished. I thank you, Lord. The house of God is a holy jurisdiction. This is the place that heaven's answers translate into the hearts of men and women. So I thank you, Lord. There is nothing too great for you. I thank you, Lord. You see into the hearts of men and women. I thank you, Lord. You breathe life into the depths of our soul. Holy Spirit, we release you in all your fullness to accomplish everything every good thing that you have intended for your children in this place tonight. We love you and we thank you in advance. You are good, you are kind, and you are faithful. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's let heaven hear our praises here tonight. He's so good. He's got your back. He's got you covered. He sees into your future and he goes with you every step of the way. Why don't you take a seat here tonight? Let me tell you, you have a great accompaniment for this life. The Holy Spirit is our great wingman. He goes with you even into your future. There's not one day, there's not one breath, there's not one heartbeat where heaven doesn't accompany you. He has got you covered, my friend. He is magnificent. Actually, Dory, when I heard that you weren't unwell, I started to pray for you as I was preparing my message and I thought we'd pray for healing here tonight because not just Brett Lindner, but anyone can move in the gifts of healing. So why don't you just stand here tonight? You're such a great man of God. And we just thank you, Lord, that right now, your healing power fills Dorian head to toe, right through this chest. We release your healing power, clearing the system, recovering the fullness of breath, Thank you, Lord. You fill him head to toe. Holy Spirit, you just fall upon him right now. You fall upon him, healing, released in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. You've got him covered. We thank you, Lord, completely healed. We receive that healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Actually, Dory, it's funny, as I started to pray for your healing, I saw a picture, and I grew up on a farm as a little girl, and what we'd do is we'd gather the sheep in from out in the paddocks, and we'd bring them in near the shearing shed, and first you'd bring them into a greater um, pen, and then there was this device, what's it called, Brett, where you, a drafting gate. A drafting gate, I'm going to hold with that. And what you'd do is you'd... Um, You'd, you'd sift the sheep and maybe you'd have two pens and you'd sift it and you'd maybe let four sheep go in there and then you'd let four sheep and you keep um, switching, switching, switching. And I know it's an unusual picture, but as I was praying for you, I saw that picture and I just got the sense and I know that you know this, that many times um, I feel that you feel actually quite maxed out because um, drama and at times distraction come at you like a flood. And actually, I feel like that is part of what has worn your health down this particular time. I feel that's why the Holy Spirit was showing me this picture. 
But what I, I feel the purpose in him showing me that drafting gate is I got the sense that he is going to enable you to be very good at deflecting drama and distraction and discord and that you have authority over that drafting gate. And I saw you becoming like um, a, a sharp marksman of, of the function of that drafting gate. And initially it's like it would take all your attention. I feel like you're in a season of re rewiring or recovering authority over your own world, over the parameters of your mind and your energy and the jurisdiction that God has given under your hand and I feel like he's going to make you super nimble at that so that your exhaustion and uh, you're not going to lag in your energy it, you're actually going to feel like energy return to your mind and your body and your system as you recover authority at what's coming at you so I feel like God is actually going to make you super nimble at this function and while initially it's like you have to focus in at the gate and it's like every turn of the gate you have to focus all your attention there's a season of that but before long it's going to be like a click of the fingers super nimble and it's going to set you up for your entire life I feel like God is in process right now equipping you for preservation of your energy preservation and safeguarding your jurisdiction for the future in Jesus mighty name high five amen thank you Jesus so we're going to come around this theme tonight, Foundations in Philippians. And uh, the theme that we're looking at for this next season is joyfulness. And it says to be full of joy, the meaning of joyfulness, to be full of joy, causing or bringing joy, a condition of supreme well-being and good spirits. Who wants a little bit of joyfulness? Amen. Thank you, my amazing musicians. Aren't they the best? We've got a good friends. They're world class. They are stunning. But I wanted to give you a bit of a backstory on Paul's Philippians teaching um, before we get into this theme, joyfulness. And it says in Acts 16:9 um, that there is a vision and actually appearing to Paul in the night, a man from Macedonia stood pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, God sent Paul to Philippi, the chief city of Macedonia, by putting the people in Paul's heart. Actually, that's how it began. The, the burden was first birthed in his heart. And what I want to do is show you a little bit how, how God accompanied Paul and showed him which way to walk, because he knows sometimes outworking the will of God is a very dynamic thing. You have the Holy Spirit by your side, but it is like at times treading water, at times stepping into the deeps, at times walking off the page. Um, but I love how the Holy Spirit nudges and directs us all the way. And you see this in how Paul lands at his final destination. The Lord was leading him. So God sent Paul to Philippi by putting the people in Paul's heart. Now I want to ask you tonight, who has God put in your heart? What what is God impressed upon your heart? You know, for some of us, it's like a flaming burden, a light on the inside of us. For others, it's like a gentle nudge. But we all have a people who we are called to. And uh, it, it's not always... Um, you know, vast crowds or multitudes. Sometimes it's that one office worker who is across the office and it's just following the nudging of the Holy Spirit to see people that our eyes would be open to see the one that God has impressed on our heart. Who are your people? Who is the Holy Spirit tugging and directing you towards? So Paul passed through Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had forbidden them to minister in Asia. Isn't that interesting? God was very specific about where he wanted Paul to put his hands. And sometimes you feel like a door gets slammed in your face. Well, sometimes it's for your protection. 
Sometimes it's for your preservation. And sometimes it's because God really cares about the oil that's on your life. And he wants to outwork that in a certain context. So friends, don't always be dismayed when the door is closed. So when they tried to go to Bethania, the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Isn't that interesting? Jesus came himself and said, no, these are not the ones that I've given to you for this time. His spirit came into that place. And again, and close the door. And sometimes we, we take the, the door closing as a rebuke or a, um, a correction. But no, many times it's because there's an urgency, a, a ripe field that God has prepared for you to harvest. And he, you know, do you know, the, there is a quickening in the earth, friends. And there is more and more of an urgency for you to put your hand to the harvest where the Lord says he wants you to harvest and not to be um, swaying from here to there and distracted and preoccupied. God has a harvest field for each and every every one of us. So let's be about heaven's business. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Then Paul had the vision. So the Lord spoke to him along the way. He had done quite a route, quite a, a journey before the Lord spoke specifically. The door had closed here. The door had closed there. Jesus' spirit had come down and closed the door. It was along the way that the Lord spoke to him. Friends, if you're sitting, arms crossed, on your lounge at home, you know, waiting for the visitation, can I encourage you to get moving about the business, start the connect group, start to serve, you know, lift up your eyes and see because it's along the way that the Lord directs us. It's, it's what he did with Paul. He wasn't dormant. He was active. It was in the momentum that God became very specific about what he was doing through our friend Paul. You know, sometimes we don't have pleasure or peace in our context because we have ignored the nudge of the Holy Spirit, friends. The nudge is legit, and sometimes there is a dissatisfaction in our soul, a little thorn in our side because we have ignored the nudge. And the Lord is gracious enough to nudge and to nudge again and to nudge again. He can be quite relentless. And it's to our advantage to acknowledge the nudge because you don't want to live your life in regret or dissatisfaction. Peace rests on us when we're in the will of God. Peace comes. It's the affirmation of heaven that comes and rests on us as we outwork the call that he has for us. Sometimes we need to make an adjustment to realign. Sometimes we're just resisting to rise, actually. And I feel like God is stirring the pot in this place. And maybe you feel like you've just walked in this place as a guest tonight. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you because I just feel like the Lord is stirring the pot, what he's doing in the earth. He's quickening his work in the earth. And many of you are going to feel that, that call to rise. Do not do not be afraid. God has everything he needs on the inside of you. And you know what's amazing? As you get into your context, get into your lane, it's like your gift is amplified a thousandfold. It's like he works in you a thousandfold. It pours out of you like a river when you get in your lane and you're in God's timing. And friends, I don't want you to miss out on that. Don't resist to rise because there is a, a sweet spot on the other side of that. The greatest satisfaction your soul will ever know is to be under his anointing in the lane that he has preordestined for each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. <laughs> God is sovereign over our service. You know, service in our sweet spot will bring pleasure to you, absolutely, but its primary purpose is not for our pleasure, but sacred service to God. Yes, you'll have joy in it. Yes, you'll revel in it when you watch the Holy Spirit move around what you're doing, but remember it is first sacred service to him. If we um, flip the chart and, and, and uh, 
position towards service with a spirit of entitlement, you'll never be satisfied and you'll miss the boat, friends. It's a sweet surrender. It's an offering of the gift. And then the oil comes and the pleasure and the fruitfulness comes. It was as Paul was traveling in motion that God brought clarity and God brought provision. As soon as they landed in the place that God had directed, they ministered to Lydia, a very successful businesswoman, and she became the financier of their ministry. It was along the way that provision came. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. As you're in motion, as you're outworking that call, the provision comes along the way. It was in motion that it came. You know, I believe deep joy, real deep joy, comes as a result of being in the context of ministry, whether it's ministry or marketplace. Both are as significant, but being in that place that God has assigned to us. I pray each and every one of us would know the sweet pleasure of being in that place, that we wouldn't let time pass us in this life. You know, as a young college student, I discovered that home is not a geographical thing, but rather it's been in the will of God. When I was 18 years old and I embarked on my studies at C3 College over on the northern beaches, I felt myself step into the center of God's will for my life. And when I had tasted that, there was, there was no way I was going to compromise that. I didn't, want to, I didn't want a life to the left of center. I wanted to be running in that lane. I had tasted what it is to be at home in the will of God. It's not a geography. It's a, it's a, a heavenly place that God has preordestined for us. At 18 years old, C3 became my home, and I've been living in it ever since. It's so good. You know, I would say as you launch into the deep and obedience to God, you're going to find that he unlocks the deep wells of your gifting. There is stuff on the inside of you that won't be released until you are out in the deep, out into the new places, that God pulls stuff out of you. You know, there, there are contexts that God has assigned for us in which he wants to pull stuff out of our soul that won't be exercised otherwise. It's actually a very satisfying thing to feel like God is working out your gift, refining your gift, strengthening your gift, and causing a harvest from it, bringing fruitfulness. It's phenomenal. So that's just the backstory on Paul, just to kind of set the tone for these Philippian studies. Let's have a look here, Philippians 3.1. And it says, For the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him to keep writing to you over and over. The same thing is not irksome to me and it is a precaution for your safety. Paul sounds like a pastor in this. He's saying, it doesn't bother me that I am telling you over and over and over and over again to rejoice because it's only going to help you. He's like, I'm leaning in, friends, because I love you. So let me put all the, um, the fluff and bubble aside and let me just tell it to you straight. And I'm going to tell you multiple times. I'm going to tell you over and over again until it becomes a revelation in the depths of your soul. Rejoice, my friends. Be strengthened as you rejoice. Rejoice, my friends. Even when the wall are falling around you. Rejoice, my friends. It'll sustain your soul even where there's a blaze of fire whipping through your life. Rejoice, my friends. Rejoice. Even in persecution, rejoice because it will strengthen your inner person. Sometimes the pastor or the leader want to tell you things that, that challenge you or great you, but it's for, it's for your success. It's so that you would rise. It's so that you would flourish. And Paul is not an apologetic leader. He makes no apology about um, giving tools for life to the recipients of this leader. And true joy comes from God. Who knows that's the truth? Oh, my goodness. Over a 100 times in the Bible, we are told to rejoice. 
And uh, to the Romans, Paul says rejoice in 12.15. To the Corinthians, he says rejoice in 2 Corinthians 13, 13, um, 13, 11. To the Thessalonians, he says rejoice in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. To the Philippians, he says rejoice in Philippians 3.1 and 4.4. And to the silver wardians here tonight, he says rejoice, my friends, rejoice. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Now, what's amazing about this scripture is the fact that Paul was in prison as he declares these truths. As he wrote these letters, he'd been arrested for preaching the gospel, and it adds a whole new dimension to this command. It kind of removes any argument we might have doesn't it? It just totally disarms any argument we could have about our life or our circumstances, the fact that he sits in a pit and writes these truths to advance us. If joy was dependent on circumstances, then Paul wouldn't have it, let alone command it of us here tonight, because it's not about circumstances, my friends. And, you know, I want to ask you tonight, of your prison-like circumstances, does prison come out of your heart? Confinement, limitation, dissatisfaction, what's the overflow of your heart? Sometimes it has to pour out like a stream before we see, oh my goodness, this is the overflow of my heart. And there is potent power in our words. And that's why Paul says, rather than letting a reflection of your circumstances, prison come out of your mouth, rather than letting limitation and confinement and and, uh, and negativity pour out of your mouth. Rather, he says, rejoice, because he knows the power of rejoicing to go forth into the atmosphere of our lives and to change the outcome. Um, I've been reading a book called The Artist's Way, because I am an artist. Are there any other artists in the room tonight? Any creative people? Raina, come on. Come on. Thank you. And so I've been reading. How's it going, Rose? Are you loving it? Do you do your artist pages? sometimes. Really? You're so good. You're so disciplined. So um, this book, The Artist's Way, is about helping people unlock their creativity and find their creative voice. I highly recommend it, honestly, to any creative people in the room. I've given so many away because I love it. Anything I love, I have to promote and share. And one of the activities is to do these artist pages, which is like journaling, but it's um, uh, free flow thought. So whatever's in your mind, there's a cup over there, I need to get Sienna some new tights. Whatever's in your thought, be it significant or inconsequential, Karina, you would love this. You journal it, you write it out, and then, um, you know, you reflect back on it later. But one word that I have found consistent in my journal entries as I've looked back on them, and I've never been a journaler, but I'm doing it for the sake of the artist pages, is I am content. And I thought, wow, I'm grateful for that. Firstly, I am content. That's the key word that I've found that surfaced through these journal entries. And I would say contentment is a theme of my life. Because I am a worshipper, I am constantly satisfied because I love to rejoice through all the seasons. Contentment is the state that our soul finds in the expression of worship, in the place of worship. We find our greatest selves. We find we're at peace in our own skin, in the atmosphere of the fullness of God's Um, presence. Um, We're at ease with who we are. 
and this contentment and it's, gotten, it's not got anything to do with circumstance. It's about union with our God ultimately and the deep satisfaction that that brings to the soul. And praise amplifies God in our circumstance. It actually causes him to, to sing over our circumstances. It, it declares his promises over our circumstances and it changes the outcome. Worship is an amazing weapon. Who knows that to be true? Come on, let's thank God in this place tonight. You know, one of the most poignant times in all the scriptures um, that God commands us to worship is Isaiah 54.1. And I think of Rhonda's story tonight of waiting for that baby to come as I read this scripture. And it says, Sing, O barren one, you who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Even in the depths of despair, the Lord understands the power of worshipping and lifting up your voice and magnify him even from the places of deep pain. He meets us in that place. And I want to read you something beautiful that really spoke to me this week, written by David Ravenhill. And it says this, God's first requirement in ministry is barrenness. God looks for people who are incapable of producing life on their own. Those who have come to the end of their own striving and honestly admit their true condition. Most of us, not wanting to bear this reproach, go around feigning life. Our activities become the substitute for the anointing. Programs replace productivity and prayer. Life seems to abound everywhere until one looks below the surface and realizes it's only a veneer, a form of godliness that lacks power. Why does God insist on barrenness as a prerequisite for blessing? Simply because no flesh can glory in it. God has to strip us first so that he alone is glorified. Isn't that magnificent? How empowering is that? It's amazing. I am totally set free by that. In my weakness, I can offer my fullness and he alone will be glorified. That is so liberating. Come on. Let's thank God for that here tonight. Now, true joy is resilient. True joy is robust, not blown by the wind here or there, not blown by life's changes and transitions. True joy is resilient. I remember praying for a young um, couple once in a, a church leadership context, and the picture I saw was like a reed um, blowing in the wind, like a reed that sits alongside a, a pond. And I said, friends, you need to see yourself not as a reed blowing by the wind, but rather as a stake in the ground. There needs to be a strength and a commitment in you to your context. But there was an identification towards the reed that never changed. And I honestly believe it was the undoing of them in their context because they saw themselves as a reed blowing in the wind, not as a stake in the ground. You know, true joy is resilient and robust and has backbone and it's a strength. You know, um, as joy overflows, there is a, a strength, a heavenly strength that enters our soul that enables us um, to remain and to endure. You know, this joy is not seasonal, but as the scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
You know, I think this generation rising, and I count myself amongst the next generation rising, are very emotion sensitive and driven. And the upside is this, is that we're more emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent. But the downside of this is that we can be, you know, feelings driven and reactionary at times. But, you know, where does faith exist in this feeling driven world, this feeling sensitive world that we're walking into, especially if fear ultimately becomes the director instead of faith. If fear takes the seat of authority and begins to dictate the outworkings of our life. You know, we can pray and feel lots of different things, but when we drill down into the depths of our soul, fear is what it is. And fear can take up territory in our thought life if we give it jurisdiction. It can make an imprint. The place that is being reserved rather for faith can be inhibited. Faith has very little to do with feelings. You know, courage is a verb. It's perpetual. It's not stagnant. Courage is that thing that moves us to get up again in Christ, to rest in Christ, to move in Christ, to lean into him many times even to do things afraid. Even though we doubt our own capacity or ability, it's where we engage in our weakness and he shows himself strong. Amen. When the Bible talks of joy in our life, it describes it as hard-wearing, tough, durable, and consistent. A joy that is resistant and overcomes. If we don't possess this kind of joy, our joy will be intimidated, rather. So we need that backbone kind of joy. And you know, the Philippian church was birthed after Paul and Silas were flogged and thrown into prison in the midst of these conditions they praised. There was a resilience on the inside of them. I'm going to ask the band to come. Joy is not a response in good times. It is a positive force of change. And I believe that kind of joy, the seed of joy, is being released in this atmosphere tonight to give you strength, to give you ability to lift your eyes and look to the future and know that all of heaven's armies accompanies you. You know, sometimes we forget that all of heaven's armies goes with us. You know, I love the story where um, the master turned to the servant and said, lift the veil so that, that my son can see the chariots of fire that surround me, that all the heaven's armies go with you. Friends, you're not alone. All of heaven's armies accompanying you into your family, into your workplace, with your finances. Friends, you're not alone. He goes with you. True joy is your strength. Joy is first a decision, a faith decision. I choose to rejoice. Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, all through the scriptures, we are, we are coaxed and commanded to rejoice. And to rejoice doesn't just mean to be vocal. It also means to brighten up, to spin around, to leap for joy, to rejoice with your actions. And I like this one, to rejoice with your countenance. You know, we first know how people are by their countenance. Many times it's not the spoken word. It's the vibe we catch up. It's the state of their soul, which is reflected through their countenance. Friends, I pray that our faith and our joy would be so real that no matter what our circumstances, the effect of our countenance would be ease. That when people interface with us, they would feel ease. They would feel peace. They wouldn't even know what's circling around us, the storm, the storm that swells around us, because our countenance would be a reflection of joy on the inside of us. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand right across this place tonight? 
And what I believe is going to happen in this atmosphere right now as we lead into this song is there will be a heavenly exchange. I believe your hearts are open and right to receive a strength that comes as we open our heart to heaven. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Without having seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not even know even now see Him, you believe in Him and exult and thrill with inexpressible and glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. See, there is a heavenly joy which gets deposited into our hearts right now in the exchange of praise as we lift our voices in praise and worship. That heavenly joy pours in, that strength comes and fills our soul and we're not toiling in our humanity anymore what happens is we interface with heaven as we lift our voice initially it's like in our humanity we sing in our humanity we lift our hands we offer the overflow of our heart but there's a tipping point and there's going to be a tipping point here tonight there's a tipping point where we enter actually a heavenly place and he lifts our burdens and he receives our offering and joy and strength and peace Peace, run like streams of life down into the depths of our soul because He sees us and He is able and there's nothing my God cannot do and there's nothing He sees in your life which is too great for Him. So why don't you lift your hands right across this place tonight. 